Let's make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-fi melody. Got out. Sci-fi melody. Don't touch it. Sci-fi melody. Symptom 267. Time bandits. Remember, this one was for kids. And here we are back with nostalgia November sickies and uh the next episode, today's viewing, comes to us from, oh boy, I think it was Arkine on our Discord server. And wow, this was a movie that I had almost forgotten existed. And that it isn't regret that I forgot that I suddenly remember it. It's just, wow, oh yeah, that. It's the 1981 film Time Bandits. It's a movie uh, for kids by two members of Monty Python. What can exactly, go wrong? Terry, Terry, yeah, Terry Gilliam and uh, Michael Palin, both of Monty Python, wrote this film. In fact, uh, I have a uh, fun fact about that. Yeah, this was actually supposed to be the trilogy of imagination, followed by 1985 Brazil and ending with the Adver Adventures of Baron Munchausen in 1988. Yes. Well, the more important part being this script was passed around and he tried to get it made and no one was going to make it. So yeah. he just changed it into a kid's film. Yeah. And uh, one more bury the lead fun fact before we get into it. To get it funded, he had to sell an office space or leverage an office space for the five million to make it. That office space was um, financed by George Harrison. Yes, that George Harrison. So, but before we get into any more fun facts, and before we get into the plot, let me just say, as a child, I remember watching snippets of this film. And then one day I saw the whole thing years later. And what struck me is that the whole time I kept watching this, the first thing I thought was, this film is absolute bonkers. There's no other way to explain it. And that the people who made it are mental. Maybe I didn't use that terminology, but that's what I was thinking. This bonkers film was written by someone who was mental. The end. Did I still like the film? Well, yeah, basically, but still I was going, hmm, what's happening here? And so I'm glad we're revisiting this because, again, now that I think about it, um, this could have just shown up in Juvenile June because the lead, lead is a kid named Kevin, which takes us into the plot. There's a kid named Kevin, and he is living in... The, the 80s and his parents are addicted to modern day computerized convenience and one night after going to bed he i mean he obviously has a fascination with history and all he's trying to tell his father about spartan warriors but he'll have none of it he doesn't care couldn't be bothered he's worried about his conveniences and keeping up with the joneses and uh 
he goes to bed and he pictures a the green knight jumping out of his cupboard and racing off into the forest and the next night all these people um little people come out of his cabinet wondering where are we where are we where are we and they think he's some kind of agent of the supreme being and it turns out they're looking for a time gate and they find it in his wall and start pushing and they have to run because the supreme being is there because they stole a map from him and kevin yes, joins this them. is totally making sense already yep and they're pushing a wall to some gate that leads them to a napoleonic battle where they befriend napoleon by the fact that napoleon likes the funniest thing to him is small people hitting each other because napoleonic complex ha 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 although i will say napoleon was not a short guy he was five seven which was standard at the time and where the napoleonic complex comes from i don't know it was british propaganda i actually do know it was british propaganda. okay perfect then that's where that comes from and in keeping with british tradition uh he saw all of the people the it turns out that the time bandits in question are just that they were servants of the supreme being god who were building trees and got sick of it so they stole god's map and decided to run around time stealing stuff to get rich and meanwhile the evil one satan and his minions are trying to steal the map so they could learn about computers and take over humanity by using co- computers. Huh. Maybe this movie isn't so bonkers after all. Anyway, so uh, Kevin goes to a lot of different places. He jumps into uh, a Napoleonic battle. He goes to a time portal into meeting Robin Hood, who robs them blind. He winds up meeting a Spartan jet, the King Agamemnon, played by Sean Connery, and eventually winds up in a boat. There, there's an ogre, and the boat is a hat on top of a giant's head, and they put the giant to sleep so that they could find a castle at the time of legends where the evil one resides, and the evil one wants the map, and he kind of convinces the time bandits and kevin to come join him for a prize but instead they get captured and the time bandits capture kevin and the time bandits bring over all these cowboys and greek archers and tanks and whatnot to fight the evil one and he dispatches them handily until the supreme being shows up and turns satan into pieces of rock and says well Here's my map. This was my plan the whole time to destroy Satan because, you know, free will and all. This is how you could do it. You can only have sin if there's free will. And the only way you can only have love is with free will. So here we are. And so God takes the time bandits back. Kevin goes back to his realm and only to find out that a piece of the evil was in their microwave and caught the place on fire. And Kevin's parents touch the evil brick in the microwave for some reason are obliterated and Kevin, poor Kevin is left on his front yard to wonder what am I doing now while Sean Connery, the fireman, just drives away going good luck, kid. And Kevin is better off at this moment than he was before. (laughs) 
Yeah. So, um, which is a crazy thing to say when his parents have just died, but he's better off. <laughs> so the fun facts. Agamemnon was played by Sean Connery because the script literally said after he took his helmet off, it reveals someone that looks like Sean Connery. Sean Connery got the script and said, hey, why not me? Good I'm idea. Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great idea. So that's how that happened. Your mother, Trebek. Yeah. Um, the cowboys, Greek archers, tanks, spaceship, uh, and all the... Oh, real. Were all well, sort of. They were the counterpart. They had toys. There were counterpart toys in Kevin's room. And in some shots, as Kevin runs through the evil for- genius's fortress, you could see giant Lego blocks also. So that's a neat little thing. David Rappaport, who um, played the leader of the, um, oh, what was his name, Randall. Believe that he got his part for his acting ability alone and not his stature. Um, as a result, he didn't really socialize with anyone else because he thought he was above them. And during the invisible barrier scene, when they walk into it and all the other actors were arguing with him, they were venting their frustrations. That and when is they amazing. At, when they threw stuff at him, they were serious. Oh, they were really awesome. mad at him. That is That's awesome. hilarious. So, um, Sir Ralph Richardson, who played God, actually submitted notes in the script that said God wouldn't say that. (laughs) And I don't know which line precisely he cut out, but just notes of saying God wouldn't say that, God would say that. Um, the actor, Craig, or excuse me, Kevin, who was, the actor was Craig Warnock, showed up with his brother. His brother was auditioning, but they decided that the that he wasn't as good as Craig. So, um, whoops! That didn't Talk create about, any sibling rivalry for the next few years. Talk about a difficult dinner conversation later on. Probably still happens every uh, year at Thanksgiving. The time you stole yeah, my well, role. Well, it's Craig. it's England. They don't. Have, it's England. They don't have Thanksgiving, but Christmas dinner. Every Christmas dinner. Craig, I could have been famous. You stole my role, Craig. And what did you even yeah. do with it? Um, speaking of that, Craig, on his first day of filming, was so overwhelmed by seeing Sean Connery that uh, like he was just his hero. So, by Connery's own suggestion, um, they basically had to film the two separate for a while until he got used to being near him. And even though though Connery was nice and down to earth, the kid couldn't get over it. And the scene where Connery's riding off on horseback with him, uh, Kevin thought, I'm the luckiest person in the world. I can understand. I just, you know, if you got Um, to film, pick your favorite actor or actress ever, and you got to film a scene with that person, and you were a kid, you might be overwhelmed. I would have, you know, a few years, I think a year ago, or right before COVID, it turns out that Arnold Schwarzenegger was here in Cleveland doing, getting heart surgery at the clinic. And then he decided to take a walk downtown and took pictures and he posted it. And I'm really mad that I just didn't happen to be walking by. Because if I had been there, I think I would have been like, oh my God, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh man. And I, I would have. 
I would have just I would have just been fanified. I thought this right story there. was going to get even better. I thought that you were going to tell me that you found out what room he was at in the clinic and thought about crashing it as a visitor. <laughs> no, no, no. He was walking around like public square and places like that. And I just think, man, I, I just, why did I not be there? I hate me. <laughs> so, um, so, a uh, couple other things. There were six. Uh, the idea of the dwarves came up because of Snow White, but then they realized if they call it had seven, that Disney might get litigious. So they only had six. Good idea. And horse flesh was just horse flesh was just referred to, thus making seven, even though he didn't actually show up in the film. Um, Terry Gilliam, Gilliam, who was in the film was apparently laughing so hard while shooting the table scene with, with Napoleon Bonaparte that he had to leave set to ruin this, to avoid ruining takes. Okay. And uh, the last thing I'll leave off with, which I personally cannot believe, but it's true, this was the 10th most popular movie of 1981 in U.S. and Canadian box offices. And it stayed popular. And was on HBO for a while. Believe it or not. Very interesting. So let's cut off with person picks. And I do have a question, Scott. And I'm going to pull my first rip out. So Sparta, I'm presuming the city of, that's the city of Sparta. No, no, no. It was uh, Mycenae. He said he's going to be the future heir of uh, Mycenae. Okay. Well, yeah, that's right. But it is a Greek city, allegedly, but it doesn't look like one at all. It looks like a North African palace, possibly sure Morocco or Algeria. It's like, wow, they don't look like they're in Greece. They look like they're in North Africa somewhere. And I don't mean like North Africa, Greek colony. I mean like North African palace. Yeah. How much historical accuracy do you expect from the writers? I know, but it still bugged me. Okay. I'm allowed to rip it. So I'm ripping it. I'm just going to say, are you telling me that there wasn't a guy named Brian in Israel? Uh, uh, probably not. Yeah. Let me get to my first real nitpicky rip. Kevin shows up in ancient Greece. At the time yeah. of King Agamemnon. Yeah. And Quite a speaking, long time ago. And he's speaking 20th century English. At a time when but old that, English doesn't even exist. And they're speaking it back to him. But that, Scott, that cuts to the other-ish thing about this movie. Language aside. The original title of this particular episode was going to be, Everyone's Okay With This. Yeah. At no point. In any of this story, is any actor or character at least mildly concerned? No. Nope. Kid who doesn't speak Greek just lands on me and helps me defeat a crappy-looking fake minotaur. All right, that checks. Napoleon just happens to hand over the keys of everything instead of... He doesn't let a mayor surrender as though he has to surrender for Napoleon to stop. I don't know. And this just works out. Everything just works out because everyone just kind of rolls with it going, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I Everything's say, fine. 
The text I sent you guys after finishing watching this was words fail me. What else that I was about to send was there is no amount of acid or peyote that can make this movie make sense to me. <laughs> it really was um, intriguing. I'm sure there is some amount. Let me let it me get to my, my second rip. I understand that you wanted King Agamemnon to be in something resembling a historically accurate um, costume. But when he raises his hands over his head, do you have to go with the upskirt camera focused directly on the bulge of his junk? (laughs) Yes, because it's Terry Gilliam who probably thought it was hilarious. Um, I mean, I looked at that and I said, oh my god, Sarah goes, did they really just do that? (laughs) This is a kid's movie! Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, it, it boy, it's, it's awkward Monty right Python. now. <laughs> yeah, it, it's Monty Python. So again, they went with some humor that's questionable at times, and shooting in angles that are questionable, and. Like when we got the upskirt camera of the overweight giant walking on the, oh, in a diaper yeah, that walking was a good on the one. land. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. There's one of them. Or when we've but, got um, the, yeah. the two uh, British couples in the Middle Ages before they meet Robin Hood who ask if the, peculiar, if the personal problem has been resolved. <laughs> Yes. And he says the personal problem is back. I require fruit. <laughs> well, and you know what? That also was funny because that's just a running gag. That just. Well, what I've discovered is with the Brits is they really love their running gags. This movie is very British. That's two words I can describe it with. If I had to pick two words to describe this movie, very British. Yes. That's an accurate one. Um, You know, and that brings us, brings me to anyway to a problem in that I'm having difficulty ripping this because, well, I don't know how. It's so, it's so bonkers that it's like, how do I rip this other than the ones I have mentioned? How do you rip Monty Python? I have that. Go ahead. Exactly. It's like to quote to quote Doc Buckley when he said, "That's like trying to." Um, it's basically trying to call Weird Al a bad surgeon after listening to the song "Like a Surgeon." It's a parody, right? Because everything I'm ripping was in there intentionally. Every single thing I've ripped, they sat there and said, okay, but what if we did this? What if we made the giant look like an overweight man in a diaper? Yeah. It's all intentional to be comedic. What if in this kid's movie, we had this couple talking with innuendo that isn't innuendo, but we know it's innuendo? Yes. It was all done on purpose. What if we have God show up fashionably late after the dwarf is crushed by a falling column? 
It was all yeah. done on purpose every step of the way. So how can you rip it? He's dead. No excuse not to work. <laughs> right. And God docks him his pay back to the beginning of time by 19%. Yes. Because it's yeah. good to know that the Almighty is concerned with profit margins and rate of pay. So, yeah, I mean, and then, although, the, although that brings me to an interesting pick. I mean, clearly this is God and Satan, obviously. But um, the scene where God just shows up and defeats Satan, it's like, you know, um, that is the, from a biblical perspective, the most accurate depiction of how that encounter would work. I'm glad you said that because it really is. (laughs) In the horror movies, they try to make it sound like it's this eternal struggle where evil might win. When just from a biblical perspective, no, it's not. It, it, Satan doesn't stay. It's like having Superman fight a baby. Um, it really would. God just shows up, turns Satan into chunks of stone, and goes, "All right, boy, this place is a mess." You know, I'm <laughs> all right, that's it. That because effectively, and, and that's what makes this beautiful parody. Because effectively, that is what the Bible tells you. God is going to release Satan of his own accord from the abyss to rule for a thousand years, to show up and mop the floor with him a thousand years later. Yeah. But he's going to give him a thousand years to terrorize and rule the earth. And you got to sit there, and it's one of the toughest things as a Christian to reconcile with an all-good, all-knowing, all-powerful God, is why, when he has the ability to go... And just get rid of him at any point in time. He's going to let Satan rule for a thousand years. But it comes down to the core of Christian belief is that you're not supposed to understand. You're just supposed to believe. He is the Almighty, and he knows why it has to be this way, and it can only be this way. And in his perfection, it will unfold this way. And it is, well, it is really tough from a faith-based perspective to say, that's how it has to be. But well, that's what the Bible says is going to happen. Well, but this film even kind of addresses it ever so slightly by him saying, well, you know, that's the trouble with uh, free will and all. It's I guess something it has to about be done free will. He's, it's, because it's, it's something about free will and love, and that's the way it has to be because that's the only way it'll work. And, it's, and just from a theological perspective, it's like, yes, that's true. You can only love if it's free will. And in a, in huh. a faith-based belief that says you need to believe when you don't understand, I guess that's probably the way it should be. Right. But it's just, it's like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Um, so I just hate to say it, but it's like somehow this got it right, whereas everyone did not. Um, which will bring us to the, the talking point, but for now, um, let's keep going with the rips and picks. Any other rips and picks? Where do I start? As I said, I can't really rip it because I can't really rip it because um, well, I have the same problem ripping it because it's supposed to be crazy. 
exactly. I want a rip that is Robin Hood is rewarding the poor with treasures. One of his henchmen is punching them in the face. But it's just in there to make you scratch my head going, what am I watching? <laughs> I guess I could well, go with the deep meaning that says... could. I guess I could go with the deep meaning that says, is Robin Hood really ethical if to better the poor he has to steal from the rich? And are you ethical if to do your good deed you have to do an unethical deed? Do the end, and if jo- if Robin Hood is the ultimate argument I, for the ends justify the means, is Robin Hood ethical? And if you're rewarding the poor and you're punching them in the face, is it does it still wash out because you've rewarded them with riches that they didn't have, even if you punch them in the face? Wow, how did uh, I get to that? Not, that's my that's, best deep meaning ever. Uh, but that's not the one we're going to. But it is a good one. That that's probably one of my best deep meaning. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Well. You've come up with quite a few, so... Yeah. Well, if there's not a ton of rips and picks left, um, I think I'll jump into the... the oh, wait, wait, I'll give you one. The Titanic oh, didn't crash as soon as it hit the iceberg. Exactly. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Um... Th- th- we already kind of started on it, this concept of free will. So from a theological position, free will exists and evil exists because it's the only way you could have love exist. And if God wants real faith, real love and relationship, he has to allow free will, which leads to inherently the knowledge of good and evil. Um, or the possibility of the knowledge of good and evil, which in this case, biblically speaking, it happened. Um, is that true? Ooh. Is free will necessary? Is free will and therefore evil a necessary requirement for the byproduct with that which is love? So let me do a really douchey thing here and answer with a counter question. <laughs> Shock. Is free will a human creation so that we can go about our own existence believing that we're in control of our own destiny? No, we're not doing that. Because that's a, that's a distraction from the actual question. That's an entirely different question. Oh, well, then the answer is yes. Okay, we can explore that possibly if we just answer this one super easy, but for no, now, no, no, let's no. All right, yeah. So I think this is a question that humanity has overthought since time immemorial we think there's a deeper answer we, we get to the question of why is there evil why does an all-knowing all-powerful all-good god allow evil why does an all-knowing all-good all-powerful god allow bad things to happen to good people um and we overthink this question because the answer we get is not satisfying And when we say that the answer is there has to be, and I've heard this from many Christians who struggle with their faith, uh, some who I know personally, who will say that, how how can God be there? How can the God that I've been taught that exists be there if he lets bad things happen to really good people and lets good things happen to really bad people? Um, And we want a more satisfying answer than free will. But there's nothing more than that. This is a case where human nature to seek a deeper answer lets us overlook the real answer that we already have. It's, you know, hey, Lee Harvey Oswald really shot John F. Kennedy from the sixth floor of the book depository. It's not a satisfying answer, so we look for a deeper one. Um, 
the reason that evil can exist is because God has given us free will. If evil can't exist, God would force us all to be good. The other answer to that is evil exists because God, who is all good, has forced people to be evil. And that's not possible. Okay. So if you accept the logical premise that God is all-powerful, all-good, and all-knowing, especially that he's all-good, Hitler can't exist. The only way that that can happen is if God has given us free will to choose to be good or bad people. And every day we have a choice to be good human beings or bad human beings. And we choose that. And that's why bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. So that's just how it works out. If God, God could make sure, any, and, and, and the crazy thing about this is, let's say God one time steps in to make sure that a very good person doesn't have something very bad happen to them. God has eliminated free will. Now he's God. Or she's God. God is God. And God could subvert free will one time without free will failing to exist. The argument that if God subverts free will one time, free will never exists again is nonsense. It's stupid. Which is probably why at some points in time, God has stepped in to make sure that a very good person doesn't suffer a very bad action. But if God steps in every time something bad is going to happen because of an action taken by a very bad person to a good person, then free will does cease to exist. Mm-hmm. So, the answer to your question is yes. The reason that bad things can happen, the reason that evil can exist, the reason that people can die, is so that free will can exist. The other okay. option is that we live in a world where our path has been determined and then we are our automatons just marching to our predetermined destination. And that's not a world I want to live in, which is why I asked the second question. Okay. Well, let's have Thomas weigh in and we can always try to go back to that original. Okay. Is free will necessary? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Simple. Yep. It is... You can't have it without it. So, yes. I don't really... I can't really think of much else, though. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Really, if you don't have freedom or love, it's not going to be legit. It won't be genuine. That also has the opposite of, of tag that someone might wander away or do something stupid it involves all the other messy things that can happen with free will so um it seems since we're all on accord there we have time for scott's question which say that again now so do is the question of is the answer that do we have free will is free will necessary for a creation of humanity so that we can go about our daily lives. So here's the thing. I need to believe that my own actions will dictate the end result of my life. Because if I believe that it's already been predetermined, and that no matter what I do, the end result is the same, what is the motivation for me to make the best choice possible in every scenario? 
if it doesn't matter what I do, regardless of any choice that I make, my end result is already predetermined, where is my motivation to make good choices? Is that something when we ask the question of does God's design require free will that is created by humanity to allow us to exist in that system? Is it a lie we tell ourselves that we have free will so that we can go about our daily lives? I see. I will say no. Okay. Good. That right there sounds and seems to be much of a philosophizer philosophizing to philosophize. <laughs> it is wordy, isn't it? Do we have free will? Yes. Why do we have free will? Because we've been given it. Um, if you want to go off on if there's a God and did he give a free will? Yes. If you want to say there is no God, do you have free will? Yes, obviously. Um, but then do you want to say everything is, do we need free will? Who cares? We have it. Do we? Yes. God is all-knowing, correct? Well, yes. see, if we're going off of that, and I, I've heard this argument, and the best way I can figure it out is, yes, he's all-knowing, because he is outside of our existence. So if if I look inside of a fish tank, I can, and I see all the fish inside of it, and I can count the fish, does that mean I am now a fish? Or I am, no, God's outside of time, he's outside of space, he created everything we know, which means if he did, he is outside of the rules and is always present. He created even time itself. So if time, which we experience, is time and space moving forwards in a four-dimensional space, he is outside of that. So if they're outside of it, how can that affect them? They obviously are not affected by that. So I'm going to make an argument here. And then to be really contrarian, I will contradict myself later. But <laughs> God is... Excellent. God is all-knowing, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. God knows everything I will do tomorrow already today. Yo. He already knows it. He knows what I will do tomorrow, today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're following so far. Yeah. Do I have any choice in what I do tomorrow? Just yes. because he knows what you're going to do doesn't mean that you didn't have free will to do it. Okay, that's my contradiction, but do I really have any other let's choice? Let's put it it's this way. Written. Let's put it this way. Okay, Scott, let's put it this way. You watch Scarlet walk crawling up to an outlet. Scarlet has a penny in her hand. Scarlet is about to put said penny into outlet because she, you know she, she wants to. You knew that was going to happen because that's what kids do. Did she do it because you knew she would do it? Or did she do it because kids like to do that? Yes, but I don't know the outcome. I can still stop her from sticking Pretend that penny in, in the outlet. Hey, well, you're again, a thought experiment, Scott. Play stop along. Right. No, the thought experiment is... No, and, you're, you're well, correct, Mark. You're correct. Your thought experiment is she does it because that's what kids like to do, not because I knew she would do it. Exactly. Well, the, the, also, the thought experience is, is God 
Question one is God, does God know everything? Yes. If your answer yes, is yes, that yes. Well, if your answer is yes, it doesn't. Predetermination is out the window because because that idea of oh, I'm doing what's already yes, and but that's not what's happening. If but, I if I and this great if I can travel through time. And I know who who won. I don't even know this. Who won the Super Bowl last year? I forget. Okay, I'm a time traveler. I go back to the last Los year. Los Angeles Rams. Okay, so if the Rams won, if I go back in time and I watch the Super Bowl, now have I and the Rams win? Did the Rams win because predestination or because they won? And I just went backwards in time. But could any other result have happened? See, right there. You- no, because this is what happened. You're assuming so, just because he observes and knows that somehow it infinitely that's, changes. No, that's the counter argument. That is the counter argument. And but that's the problem. That's the reconciliation problem. Yeah, but it has no problem. basis in anything. It has no basis in anything other God than already your knows, question. God already knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows at one o'clock yeah. I'm going to watch the Cleveland Browns. Do I have any other option? He knows but right now. Basic- do I? Is there any way in the world? I God knows right now I'm going to watch Cleveland Browns tomorrow at one o'clock. I know God knows I'm going to watch Cleveland Browns tomorrow at one o'clock. I want God to be wrong. Is there any way in the world I don't watch the Browns at one o'clock tomorrow? Scott, your supposition is, well, God knows what I'm going to do, therefore I don't have free will, even though I'm the one who's choosing it, but God knows about it, so therefore it can't be free will, because if he knows about it, he couldn't have been surprised, and if he couldn't have been surprised, that means I didn't have the chance to chase it, because he knows, therefore I don't have a free will. The whole basis of this is your question, that's it. Uh, and, and to well, be it has fair, no basis in anything other than the fact that you asked the question. To be fair... I agree with you, Mark, and I'm just trying to make conversation and get a philosophical debate going. Well, well you did it. And I do understand, and again, I understand this philosophy debate. I've gone through it myself. I've thought about it because it is an interesting debate and discussion. But in the end, I believe, and this is my belief, and you can take it or leave it, that it is basically philosophers philosophizing because Oh, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, in your presuppositions, we lie on so many what ifs and what's upon's and if this, if that. At a certain point, you have to go with Occam's razor. The simple answer is correct. I agree. Free will is essential. And God gave us free will. He created a civilization that gave the individuals on every level down to the ant free will in actions and once he set that in motion we all had our own choices to make the fact that and i keep saying he uh god he or she um set that in motion and the fact that god knows the answer does not change the fact that we had free will in our choices i agree with you too i was just putting out the counter argument All right, then. Someone had well, to, right? I, I guess. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it went off of my question logically, so I'll grant you that.
let's rate this thing. How many uh, how many time bandits do we give it? Although, oh yeah, two two more picks real quick. Um, one of them, I really like the tension, the scene where they're swinging on the cages with the rope. I gotta admit, that was a really tense scene. I knew they were gonna survive, but boy, I was I was like. <gasps> I, I, it was a lot of tension for me. I'm surprised that rope held out as long as it did. I, I agree, but I, it was a lot of tension building, and they did a great job with that. Two, I, I like the tagline um, of this film. Uh, the, some folks make history, they stole it. So, I liked that. But anyway, let's rate this thing. How many time bandits do you give it? I give it I give it a six or seven. Um, I was engaged, entertained enough, but I don't know what to make of this film beyond that. It's something. It's engaging. Six that's, or seven. That's not a bad one. Um, I'm going to give it a six point five. <sighs> the movie. It's weird. It's wonky. Uh, it, it's also it's Monty Python. It is mighty Monty Python in every aspect. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, I can't totally diss it. Okay. Uh, this may be an odd rating for me. I will give this an eight and a half. Wow, that is odd. For what this movie is intended to be, which is British satirical comedy in the vein of Monty Python. It is excellent. It is above average, and it is a superb example of the genre. It is irreverent. It pulls no punches. It pulls no punches at religion. It pulls no punches at core tenets of humanity. And that's what it's supposed to do. Okay. It is funny. It is humorous. It fails as a kid's movie. But as... <laughs> yeah. Kid's as movie. Satirical comedy in the vein of Monty Python, which, which is what it really is. It is a very good version of the craft. Uh, it makes you laugh. It's funny. It makes you think in a way that a parody is supposed to make you think. Maybe it makes me think too deeply, but I think too deeply about everything. Everything. Um, But yeah, given all of that, it was an enjoyable uh, watch, and I'll give it an eight and a half. Okay. Okay. Well, that was... um an interesting week and we thank very much for i believe again that might have been our kind who suggested that word was it raw berserker whoever it was on our discord server thank you for suggesting it we have one more week left of nostalgia november next week of course is thanksgiving here in the states so if you are in the states happy thanksgiving from all of us to all of you uh if not um if you're in canada happy thanksgiving even though it was like a month ago and if you're in the rest of the world thanks for tuning in you can join our chats over at the discord server 
where you can not only engage us with any kind of topics or that or questions you have or suggestions for topics you'd like us to cover you can also check out our other shows like zodiac task force which is our ongoing uh american anime sort of style audio drama but there's also the case backish episodes of the case satorium and you could also hear more about the i mean the previous 266 episodes of sci-fi malady which you know Considering, I don't think I ever thought it would get this far, but I always say that. Neither did I. And and you, well, and it's funny because I never wanted to do it. <laughs> I had to convince Scott, you. I really did. You did, but here we are, and not regretting a minute. Um, and of course, you could always add comments or anything else at our website at ravinglunaticmedia.com, 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 Rage Master. What's left for them to do? Stay sick, sickies.